Thou shalt not steal. Arthur Pink said, The first sin committed by the human species entailed theft. Eve took of, stole, the forbidden fruit. So too, the first recorded sin against Israel after they entered the land of Canaan was that of theft. Achan stole from among the spoils. In like manner, the first sin that defiled the primitive church was theft. Ananias and Sapphira kept back part of the price. How often this is the first sin committed outwardly by children. So why do men steal? How many different types of theft are there? Do we only steal from men, or can we also steal from our Father God? What is the worst kind of theft, and who are some of the biggest thieves in the land? Was it a coincidence that our Messiah was crucified between two thieves? I want to know. It is my great honor once again to welcome each and every one of you to the Doctrine of Christ series with myself and Brother Jimmy Cooper, because whether you know it or not, the Doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in your life. And I know Brother Jimmy teaching the Doctrine of Christ series is just about the most important thing in my life. And it's an honor again to be here with you. Yeah, again, I'm so grateful to be a part of it. And I'm honored to be able to teach the Ten Commandments in the light of the doctrine of Christ because Jesus was a Ten Commandment guy. Uh, He wasn't a Nine Commandment guy. He was a Ten Commandment guy. And uh, this should be um, the most exciting uh, subject we could ever want to explore. It's so important. So let's go to work. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, thou shalt not steal. And as we was talking just a little bit before we went on the air, um, people will think about these commandments. Thou shalt not lie. And they'll think, well, boy, I know all about that, you know. And it just is, without being demeaning, it's reflective of the American religious mindset that uh, no longer appreciates the depth of God's word. And uh, the same we could say is true of this commandment. Thou shalt not steal. Uh, You know, that means you're not supposed to come into my yard and take my lawnmower. But there's more to it than that, much more. And uh, Wilhelmus Brockell, he says to steal is to take the possessions of others for ourselves. And yeah, that's pretty much a given. Every culture that has ever existed, even the most darkened, darkest pagan cultures have understood it's wrong to steal. Yeah. Uh, Watson said, the thing forbidden in this commandment is the meddling with another man's property. And there's a lot of ways you can do that other than just taking something from someone. Uh, and, you know, we'll be thinking about several of those. Uh, in the book Proverbs, you know, I love, well, I don't love, but, uh, I love to make fun of these Christians that they'll so-called Christians. I'll just leave it at that, but they have their Christian millionaires 
you know, they want this one ministry was bragging that they wanted to produce 10 Christian millionaires in for the next year in their ministry. Well, that's not quite biblical in Proverbs chapter 30, verse eight, remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. I don't see the word of God instructing us to desire to be rich. The Bible says to desire to be rich uh, is a very dangerous thing. This is the heart of avarice and greed. And this is the heart of why people steal. People steal because they want something someone else has got. Yeah. And well, Jesus said it's really hard for a rich man to enter into heaven. Yeah. That's what he said. But yet <laughs> Jesus said that in all these uh, so-called Christian seminars on how seminars on how to be a Christian millionaire. All right. Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have for it said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper, my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And this is the, the reason why people steal, they're not content with what they have. They want more and, uh, they want what someone else has and they want to build someone else out of it. Now, in First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 6, we begin to see some of the depth and the, the width of this commandment that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. And Thomas Watson said, if you borrow something from someone and don't return it, you're a thief. How many times has that happened? And uh, any more uh when people borrow, well, and I'll just say there's some people, there's some people that'll say, uh, you know, can I borrow 20 bucks? And it's like a cliche. I'll pay you back Friday, you know, kind of like wimpy, uh, on, uh, the old Popeye show, yeah. you know, I'll at you know, pay you Friday for a hamburger today. And you just know their words, no good. You know, there's so many people out there and they profess Christ and their words, no good. And these people are thieves. They're thieves, and we could call them bum might not be an inappropriate word. The Bible also talks about the person that will not provide for his own household, that he's worse than an infidel. For someone, uh, and like a lot of people, there are people that will work, and instead of, uh, and I'll put this one on the men, it could go either way, but a man will earn a paycheck, and instead of providing for his family, He'll blow it on alcohol, uh, the gambling boat, you name it. He's a thief. He's stealing from his family. Yeah. Now, uh, that no man may go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have forewarned you and testified. And this is clearly stated in the Torah. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 19 and verse 13, the scripture reads, Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Now, you were you got me going on Tozer. You were talking about A.W. Tozer, and I was looking 
through a few of his quotes and he had a quote. He said this and you got to think the more you think about this, the better it gets. But he said, Christians don't tell lies. They go to church and sing them, (laughs) you know, and the more you think about that, the better it gets. But, you know, it's true. You know, people will go through the motions and they'll sing these songs. And a lot of times they don't even think what they mean. But a lot of these old, beautiful hymns and it's just something to do for them, you know. But and, you know, this is just another form of lying. But I thought that was very, very profound. Now, let's think about our nation as a thief. And, you know, this is so far more far reaching than just the individual. The scripture has so much to say about the nation as a thief. In Isaiah 123, thy princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loveth gifts and followeth after rewards. They judge not the fatherless, neither doth the cause of the widow come unto them. And in our nation, our nation is absolutely a nation of thieves. And it's such a, a it's such a perverted situation that theft is even encouraged. We have these dingbat prosecutors all over the country. Some of them, uh, like out in California, they're saying, now, what would happen when the prosecutor says, I'm not going to prosecute shoplifting cases? Well, what we have, we have mobs go into stores and steal. It's encouraged. It's insanity. I see a new video every day. Yeah. Just a bunch of people just going in and take, because nobody's going to stop them. Yeah. And, you know, the prosecutor says, well, I'm not going to prosecute. Well, look what happens. Uh, Lawlessness. And, you know, it's you know, you look at this stuff and it's like it's not real, isn't it? It's isn't that it's crazy. It happens. And it's even more crazy that the authorities just turn their eyes and encourage it. It's it's crazy. But we're a nation of thieves. Doesn't it say in the end that like lawlessness abounds, the love of many grows cold and. Yeah, yeah, it really does. (laughs) We're seeing it. uh, Oh, boy, are we? And there was a scripture. uh, Came to mind in uh, the book of Daniel. And I think it is chapter eight and about. Verse 23, I'll just throw this one in since we're in the neighborhood. And Daniel 8 and 23, the scripture says, And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full. And it's like when wickedness just comes to a full-blown potential. And boy, if this isn't what it is, it's crazy. It says, when transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. Well, I tell you what, I'm just looking for him to stand up uh, every day. Uh, In Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, and he said this in uh, Ezekiel chapter 22 and 27, her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. And I just thought when I read the scripture, it just thought of the videos we've all seen of the people just like wolves, just going in like gangs, stripping stores. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's amazing. I saw in this one video, they were walking out 
getting into their cars and you could see the car license plates right on the video. They had no fear. You know, they had no fear of getting prosecuted. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing. Well, maybe they stole now, that car from a neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they might not get in trouble for that either. It's just absolute full blown insanity. Now, just guess, if you will, what the number one group of people accused of of theft in the Word of God is. It's quiz time on the DOC. Da, 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 da. Right, number right, one uh, group of people can, accused of theft in Scripture. Can you repeat that question for me? Yes. What is the number one group of people accused of being thieves in the Word of God? Would it be the children of Israel? Well, yes, and more specifically, uh, pastors and the shepherds and the prophets. Yeah. And uh, this is specifically the group that is most addressed as thieves. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 30, Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, everyone from his neighbor. The, the father accuses the prophets of Israel of stealing his words from the people. Mm. Now, like that, some people might think, well, that ain't going on anymore. Well, my goodness, how many people and how many pulpits are just basically dismissing the Old Testament out of hand? They're taking God's words and just throwing them out. We've talked many times, and we can't talk enough about it. Uh, you know, some people, they say, well, you can't teach a lesson without talking about dispensationalists. Well, if they would quit taking people to hell, I'd stop. And until they do, I won't. When they say that uh, all their wonderful teachers are going to say that Christ's words aren't for Christians, I'm not letting it up as long as anybody is supporting that demonic lie. Uh, you know, they're just taking, they're stealing God's words from people. They're stealing the doctrine of Christ from people. And I love the doctrine of Christ. And that gets me just a little bit excited. <laughs> now, in the book of Acts, there's a phrase here that if you cannot come into conformity with it, you're a thief. And uh, in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And in the text we read in Jeremiah, the prophet accused the prophets of stealing God's word. Well, unless you teach the whole counsel of God, you are stealing the words of God from people. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them." And people that will not preach the whole counsel of God, and I tell you what, uh, I, I'd like to hear, I wish there were more people doing it, but I ain't hearing it. Yeah. You know, I'm not hearing the whole counsel of God uh, being preached. And these are the thieves. 
these are the thieves and these are the biggest thieves. The biggest thief in the neighborhood is that man on Sunday morning that'll get behind the pulpit and will not tell people the whole truth from the word of God. Mm -hmm. And this is straight from the doctrine of Christ in the gospel of John, the 10th chapter and the first verse. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. In verse 10, and of course, these false teachers, they are the, the very messengers of Satan. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The teacher that will not teach the whole counsel of God, they are just nothing but a thief. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. A hireling will not fight the wolf. A hireling is just someone that does it for hire. And the hireling that won't fight the wolf, he's the biggest thief in the neighborhood. Stealing God's word from people is uh, the most horrific, fatal form of theft that we can find. And how about the person that says, well, I don't really believe in the Old Testament. You know, I'll refer to it every once in a while, but, you know, I I like the New Testament, though, and I'm a believer. Well, Matthew 13, 52, Jesus didn't take real kindly to that attitude. Then said he unto them, therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto the man that is a householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. So you're not a scribe in the kingdom of heaven. Sure, we got to have the new, we got to have the doctrine of Christ. But the real Jesus said he didn't come to do away with the law and the prophets. So as all we've already seen, Leviticus, don't defraud your brother. First Thessalonians, don't defraud your brother. You, th- there's not two truths being taught. There's one. There's one God that does not change, that has given us his moral law by which we must live. And you're not a scribe in the kingdom of heaven until you're bringing forth things old and new. You're just not even on the playing field. Yeah. Now, one of the biggest ways, and there's so many ways that people steal God's words from people. And one of the ways is by printing some new dingbat translation of the Bible uh, every month and, uh, literally about every three to four months, a new one comes out. And of course it's always the best and they're always just a big sack of abominations. And by doing this, people try to come to truth by getting, and I used to do this too. So I'm talking to myself, but you get about eight Bibles stacked up here. And if you want to find out what a verse means, you just keep reading through the different translations till you get one that sounds good and you go with that. And uh, that is uh, no way to ever come at truth. And God is a God of absolutes. 
and the world recoils from absolutes. That's why people don't like the Ten Commandments. Yeah. You know, Christians don't like when I'm there again. I'm just using the term as a point of reference. But people that profess Christianity nowadays, they don't like the Ten Commandments, and they're not big on the Old Testament. In all honesty, ain't very big on the New either. Yeah. But in Second Timothy chapter three, let's read this text. Uh, and if we realize, if we just think about it in the least little bit, at the time this uh, scripture was given, there were New Testament books yet that hadn't even been written. And That's what the, I always say. When, when everybody that is right, that is in the New Testament, they only were reading the Old Testament. <laughs> That's what they were quoting. That's the only scriptures they had. Yeah. It just cracks and, me up. It is. And if it wasn't so obviously wrong, it would be funny, wouldn't it? You know, their blatant ignorance is laughable. Yeah. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, obviously the Old Testament which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All the Old Testament is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine. So, Jimmy, it's profitable for us to te teach doctrine out of the Old Testament. Absolutely. For to correct people when they're in violation of God's moral law. For correction, to correct people using the Old Testament when they're out of bounds in God's law for instruction in righteousness. That's how to live right. And to live right, we read what God's law said, that the man of God may be perfect. Now, you cannot be perfect. You cannot be a true scribe of the kingdom until you're teaching the whole counsel of God, bringing forth things old and new, teaching all of the word of God in light of the doctrine of Christ. Till you do that, you're just a thief. Yeah. You're just a thief. That's all you are. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And you, you, people are trying to go to war with the pea shooter. And you, you, you just can't do it. You ain't going to win. Satan doesn't care about your pea shooter. He fears the word of God. Yeah. And used to be, there was a day when men and women believed that. Let's have a little help here from Matthew Henry commenting on that text in second Timothy three, what is the excellency of scripture? It is given by inspiration of God and therefore is his word. It is a divine revelation, which we may depend upon as infallibly true. Now that's where people fall out today. That's infallibly true because we all know that there's differences in all the Bibles. So we can't really say, we can say, well, I like this one better than the other one, but we can't really say there's one that's infallibly true when you play the translation game. But Matthew Henry could hold the King James Bible in his hand and he could say it's infallibly true because he understood that God not only inspires his word, but God preserves it. Most people that profess Christianity today do not even believe that we have an infallible Bible that has been preserved not only in the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic, but also in the English. And then we have some uh, wingnuts 
that will come around and in the guise of promoting the King James Bible, they'll say that it's wrong to even look up words in the Hebrew, the Greek, or the Aramaic. And the, that word inspired, it literally means God breathed. God breathed out these words to the men that wrote the scriptures. And God did not bring it, breathe out words in English. He breathed right. out words in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Those are the words God gave. And God has not only preserved his word in English, but also in the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic. In the Hebrew Masoretic text and in the Greek received text, we have the preserved word of God. And we have in our King James Bible, a Bible that has a word for word English equivalent of every Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic word. We have an infallible Bible that we can study. We have infallible texts that we can study. There is a final authority. And this is one of the hugest problems. People are stealing God's words from people by failing to teach biblical preservation that yes, God has preserved his word. You can hold it in your hand. And like brother Henry said, it's infallible. We can trust it. And if you never, ever look anything up in the Hebrew or Greek, and there wasn't a lot of people back in the day of Matthew Henry, they didn't have strong concordances. They, they had their Bible, they read it, they prayed, and they'd done real good. So yeah. if you never look up a word in the Hebrew and the Greek, you'll do fine if you study the scriptures. But we encourage uh, study to show yourself approved to God. And uh, we understand that not only is the English preserved, but also the Hebrew Masoretic and Greek received text. So thank God for the words God has breathed out. Amen. First Peter chapter one and verse 21. Excuse me. Second Peter chapter one. And verse 21, it says, for the prophecy came not in old time with the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, what's he talking about there? The prophecy came not in old time. We're talking about the Old Testament there. Hmm. So, you know, it's just absolute abomination and the stealing of the words of God to have uh, this idea that everything left of Matthew is just no good. We can't trust it. Uh, we can't use it for doctrine. So, um, you know, just get over that. Now it goes on one more little thing here. Matthew Henry said on second Timothy three, that's worth reading. He says, there is no occasion for the writings of the philosopher, nor for rabbinic fables, nor popish legends, nor unwritten traditions to make us perfect men of God, since the scripture answers all these ends and purposes. Sola Scriptura, the Bible, the Bible only. And uh, that's where we stand. And we can stand there because we do have a final authority. We have an inspired word of God that we can trust. And that's what we do. We're going to get as many people as we can to believe the Bible. And if you listen to these so many preachers today, they spend more time trying to get people not to trust the Bible than to believe it. So we need a few more preachers out there that's going to try to get people to believe and trust the Bible. Because until you do, and until you're able to hold the word of God in your hand and understand you've got a final authority, you know, 
you're going to be a very unstable person. Well, every so often I try to watch a sermon on YouTube or something, and and I, I'll be intrigued by the title, and I'll be watching it. And almost the whole sermon, there's not even a scripture given. It's just, this is what happened to me. And and then he builds a whole sermon just based around an experience in his life. That, yeah. And he might reference a scripture. But that's why I love, I mean, I, we've got 30-plus scriptures almost every week. Oh, yeah. And I love that. And, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Give people the word of God in context. Yeah. That's what people need. And I, as I, uh, we got to talking about Tozer and I got to looking, uh, searching to see what of his works was available. We got the knowledge of the Holy and we're going to be going in probably next season into the attributes of God, which is another thing that people just don't teach anymore. And that's another one of the reasons why you've got Christians that are a mile long and an inch deep. And, um, Tozer, there's a book out there called 40 Meditations for Lent. And Tozer did not observe Lent. And what someone did, they have taken 40 passages from Tozer's works about the cross, and they have put it in a book for Lent Meditations. And that just irritated me so much. They're so dishonest. They will reprint the book. That's why I like unedited first editions, because the works of Charles Finney, they cut out the stuff he said about Freemasonry. In the writings of uh, R.A. Torrey, they will cut out what he said about the Holy Spirit. I hate that. That's nothing mm. but rank dishonesty, and that's also stealing it's, from yeah, people and defrauding them. Yeah, it is. And I heard another guy, um, and he, I, and here's one guy I listened to. Donna will listen to the radio sometimes with her headphones on when she's going to sleep. And she's telling me about this guy that was talking about the Puritans. And I listened to one of his broadcasts. And at the end of the broadcast, he said, we're getting ready for Lent. And it was, that was an old recording. Yeah. And my goodness, you talk, just go ahead and talk to a Puritan about observing Lent. Just like Henry said, we have no time for popish frauds or rabbinic fables. And it's ridiculous. The American evangelical church, if you can even say that, it is so far in the sewer. They're just a bunch of thieves. There's nothing that everything the word of God says about being a thieves, they own it big time. It's just absolutely disgusting. Now, in Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, but a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear come on all them that heard these things. And Barnabas had just come 
and laid his money at the apostles' feet, sold his land, laid the money there. And it's like Ananias comes up. Here he is. I'm Mr. Big Shot. You know, he makes this big show in front of the apostles and in front of everybody. I'm Mr. Big Shot. You know, just like Barnabas, look at me. I'm giving it all. Here it is. He was lying. He was lying to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God spoke to Peter. He rebuked him, and they carried him out and put him in the ground. So Peter said, hey, I just sold all my land, and here's 75% of what I got for it. They'd have been fine with that. Absolutely, and so would God. Yeah. You know, it's not, and it says right there in the text, if you read, it was his to do what he wanted to with. That wasn't the problem. The problem was he lied. And he tried to use that lie to present himself and to put him forth in in the assembly. Now, how many people lie by presenting themselves to be something they're not that brag about all the things they do for God? And the truth of it, you know, is just quite like what they're telling. Didn't Jesus say, don't let. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. You know, when it comes to alms and helping people, don't, don't be, and I, I've, sometimes I struggle and I watch these videos and I'll see somebody with a camera filming another person across the street going and helping a homeless person, you know, uh-huh. I'm like, why are you doing that? Why are you putting this on video? Yeah. I remember one video that they used to play a lot of um, some child in a third world country that their face was just smeared in filth and flies were all over this child's face. And they were videotaping that and they just kept talking while they were videotaping this child, you know, why in the world don't you wipe that child's face off and give that child something to eat. But no, uh, uh, okay, we, we got this. There it is. I mean, it is such a sham, such a farce. It just makes me angry. If stuff like that doesn't make you angry, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you just don't see a thief for what it is. And of course, these people are just thieves, liars, and uh, you'll get more honesty out of Blackbeard's pirate crew than you will out of these people. <laughs> now, well, I, let, I would just read a little bit what Linsky said. This is so good. He said, to those who looked on uh, on Ananias appeared as a second Barnabas. Words of praise, at least thoughts of commendations, accompanied the act of Ananias. Filled means that Satan took complete control of the man and that his was done with the full consent of Ananias. He let Satan take him over. I mean, we know yeah. it's wrong, lie and steal, but for praise of men, he let Satan fill his heart. He gave himself over. Maybe he was reading a different translation of the Old Testament. Maybe he did. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, it's disgusting. He said, when Ananias became a believer, the Holy Spirit filled his heart and cast out and kept out Satan and his power. How a man, once one for God, can again turn to the devil is a mystery no one can solve. But it was done out of greed, 
because he was a thief and it was done for the praise of man. Mm. How much? And, you know, this was at one time a believer in fellowship with the original apostles. And this is what happened. What a lesson for us. What a lesson for us. Uh, Now, are you ready to get controversial? It's about time. Let's just get controversial. Let's go to the book of Malachi chapter three. And I want to take a look at this. And I want us not just to read our Bibles. I want us to read our Bibles. And let's go to Malachi chapter three. And let's begin reading in verse eight. And let's read. Will a man rob God? Now, we're going to talk about stealing from God. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You're cursed with the curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, this is one, you know, if we had a scripture counter of all the times this scripture is read every day, on uh, Christian radio and television. I bet this would be the number one scripture that they read. Now, that is, that is part of the Old Testament they still like. Yeah, and I like it too. But I just kind of got the idea that they might have it just a little bit wonky. We'll just study a little bit. All right, all right. Now, let's cloud the issue with a few facts. And this was written 435 B.C. when the prophet Malachi prophesied 435 BC. Now let's back up 10 years and let's get the context. And a lot of times when you read the scripture, we don't hear what the scripture says. We hear what other people say it says. And this has been reinterpreted to mean that uh, if you don't pay the TV evangelist or the man down at the local church, 10% of your money that you're cursed and you're robbing God. Now that's, erroneous on many levels because the tithe was for the whole tribe of Levi, that the tribe of Levi could be supported and minister and Levitical covenant. Guess what? It's gone. God's moral law is not. The Levitical covenant is not. And this just is one of the most rank instances of their obvious hypocrisy. But let's go 10 years back. And let's go to the book of Nehemiah and let's read the historical context in Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 37 through 39. The scripture says, and that we should bring the first fruits of our dough and our offerings and the fruit of all manner of trees, of wine and of oil unto the priests, to the chambers of the house of our God. And when all of these things were brought in, they would bring in food, a tithe of their fruit, their crops. And they had a big storehouse there. And they would put the the goods into the storehouse, and then it would be distributed to the Levites to support one of the whole tribes of Israel. And the tithes of our ground unto the Levites, that the same Levites might have the tithes 
in all the cities of our tillage. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites take tithes. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes into the house of our God to the chambers unto the treasure house. This is what Malachi was talking about. Bring them into the treasure house. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the corn of the new wine and the oil unto the chambers where are the vessels of the sanctuary and the priests that minister and the porters and the singers and we will not forsake the house of our God. Now, when we read chapter 12, verse 47, we'll see clearly that the problem was not with the people paying their tithes. In Nehemiah 12 and 47, and all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the portions of the singers and the porters every day as portion, and they sanctified holy things unto the Levites, and the Levites sanctified them unto the children of Aaron. The people were paying their tithes and taking care of the Levites. That wasn't the problem. But let's see what the problem was that developed. And here you see we're going back 10 years before Malachi prophesied, and we're picking up the context of what was going on, what he really said. In Nehemiah chapter 13, let's read verses 4 and 5. And before this, Eliashib the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah. Now, Tobiah was an Ammonite, and it was forbidden in Scripture for an Ammonite to come in where he was. It says, and he had prepared for him a great chamber where aforetime they laid the meat offerings, the frankincense and the vessels and the tithes of the corn, the new wine and the oil, which was commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the porters and the offerings of the priest. But in this time was I not at Jerusalem. You see, Nehemiah had left Jerusalem and while he was gone, this Ammonite sets up shop in the storehouse where the things were brought in for the Levites. Mm -hmm. Now, that's the problem. The problem isn't the people not paying their tithes. The problem is a crooked priest puts an Ammonite in the storehouse, and when things come in, things didn't wind up going mm -hmm. where they should go. Now, what did Nehemiah do? Uh, he did uh, what ought to be done. In verse 7, and I came to Jerusalem and understood of the evil that Eliashib did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me sore. <laughs> you know, he was sore. Therefore, I cast forth all of the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. He didn't have a discussion. He didn't have a negotiation. He took his stuff and threw it out. And then it says, then I commanded and they cleansed the chambers and thither brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. And it, it was so bad that uh, the Levites in verse 10, it says, and I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them for the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled everyone to his field. You know, they had, uh, they had taken off because there was an Ammonite there. That was the problem in a big one. Hmm. And Nehemiah cleans house. And then we see in uh, Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse 12, that the situation 
was corrected. It says, then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn and the new wine and the oil under the treasuries. The problem wasn't with the people giving. The problem was with the crooked priesthood stealing it. Mm. That's the problem. And it's the obvious problem here in the context. Now, let's go back to the book of Malachi. Let's go back and let's just read the context and we'll just ask ourselves some questions. What does this scripture say? Is it addressing people or is it addressing a corrupt priesthood and a nation for robbing God? Let's look at Malachi chapter 3 verse 9 again. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Malachi was calling the nation thieves and robbers because they were the ones that were doing the robbing. Mm -hmm. Was the problem in Malachi people not paying their tithes, or was the problem a corrupt priesthood? Malachi chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you? O priest that despise my name, and ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that we say the table of the Lord is contemptible. These people would sacrifice junk, and they would keep the best for themselves. They were thieves. They were robbers. In verse 8, and if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it down to the governor. Will he be pleased with thee and accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? The very people that are trying to turn that scripture in Malachi around and use it against people to bilk them out of money, they're the thieves. Just like in the days of Malachi, it was a corrupt priesthood that was stealing, not the people that we're not giving. And it, it's such, it's so obviously so. Um, in Malachi chapter 2, let's look at verse 7 and 8. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts, that covenant of Levi, providing for the Levites with the tithe that they should be giving to the people. The problem in the context of the word of God was not the people giving, but it was a corrupt priesthood and corrupt national leaders that were stealing that which the people were giving. And the priests of God had went to the fields because they were being starved out because they had made a league with Ammon. And that's what's happened today. The church today is in league with the devil. They're in league with the devil. They are so far out on this issue of money that just as in the word of God in the days of old, the biggest thieves were the, were the priests and the leaders. The same is true today. And it reminds me, of a text in the prophet Jeremiah chapter five and verse 32. And you know, 
in Jeremiah, well, Jeremiah 531, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? And they were all condemned as false prophets and as greedy people. And how can that be true? Surely there's some of them that have good intentions. But the problem is today, the entire system is corrupt. All of organized religion is built upon a wrong foundation when it comes not only to their doctrine, but when it comes down to their very structure and the way that they handle money. And the book of Psalms says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And you cannot go into a system with the wrong foundation and try to do something for God. The foundation has to be laid again. If you try to be a part of that system, you'll just be a thief and a liar, just like them. Just like them. Mm. Now, what does the doctrine of Christ say? Let's look at Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give all of the truth we receive we didn't pay God a dime for it he just saved us by his grace he has preserved his word for us with the blood of the people that wrote it and the truths that we learn we are to freely give to people but yet we have these deliverance ministries. And I tell you what, just go on the websites of some of these deliverance ministries and just see how much it costs to get free in Jesus. Some of them are into the thousands of dollars. They're just thieves. They're just nothing but thieves bilking people out of uh, uh, money. They're just thieves. They're just nothing but thieves. Freely you receive, freely give. And until you do that, you're just a thief. And until you bring forth things old and new and stop stealing God's words from people, you're just a thief. And as in the word of God addressing Israel of old, so it is today, the biggest thief in the neighborhood is going to be the guy behind the pulpit on Sunday morning. And hopefully, and that's not always true, but it is just almost universally true. People that are in this organized religious system, I mean— it's ridiculous. Now, the things that pass today and are applauded, you know, there's professional fundraisers out there. Don't you just love old Mikey Murdoch and uh, Jerry Savelle and the uh, I mean, They're good. I mean, they can get on there and man, they'll have you get your billfold out, writing them a check, you know, and uh, and one of them was even saying. Uh, you know, if you don't have money to cover that check, write it anyway and believe God that it'll be covered by the time it comes in. I mean, they're thieves. They're liars. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. And and if that check bounces after they take it to their bank, they're coming after you for fees and penalties. and <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah. And let's go back. And I believe that you have the entire Dadache on your YouTube channel. I believe you read the whole thing. And the Dadache, it's not scripture. 
but it's like a late first century Christian document that was kind of a church manual. And it's interesting. It shows us the perspective that early believers had on a lot of things. It's very interesting. And certainly their perspective on money will show us quickly that what today passes for Christianity would not even have been considered Christianity back in that day. Let's, you know, I mean, how many do we have left now? Freely you receive, freely give. How many do that? Uh, To bring forth, to be a scribe in the kingdom, you got to bring forth things old and new. How many do we got left? I don't know how many we got standing. I don't see many out there standing right now. Now, it goes on here in the Dodache. It says, let every apostle who comes to you be welcomed as if he were the Lord. I'm reading from chapter 11, beginning in verse uh, four. But he is not to stay for more than one day unless there is a need, in which case he may stay another. But if he stays three days, he's a false prophet. And when the apostle leaves, he is to take nothing except bread until he finds his next light night's lodging. Yeah, okay. Now, we'll have you in to preach service but all we can give you is enough bread and uh, we'll give you some bread and we'll put a little gas in your car to get you up to the hotel. And how many we got left? I don't, I don't think we got many left because this is the way that religious system rolls. And that's the way they do business and it ain't the father's business. But if he asks for money, he's a false prophet. Now, all right, freely, free, freely, You've received, freely give. That knocks out about 99%. Uh, Bring forth things old and new. If you ask for money, you're a false prophet. Who do we got left? I don't see anybody in that American religious establishment left standing. They're a bunch of thieves. They're a bunch of thieves. Also, uh, it says, excuse me, verse 8. However, not everyone who speaks in the spirit is a prophet. My interpretation of that, not everything that jumps is jackrabbit. But only if he exhibit the Lord's way by his conduct, therefore, will the false prophet and the prophet be recognized. In verse 12, it said, but if anyone should say in the spirit, give me money or anything else, do not listen to him. Oh, yeah, Uh, the the Lord has just spoken to me. There's a hundred people out here tonight that I'm getting the number. $79.95. And there's 10 people. And usually it's not that cheap, you know? So, I mean, they get these words from God that are really words from the devil and, uh, they're just thieves. Mm. They're thieves, liars. And if you read the word of God and if you read, uh, any church history at all, this nonsense that's called this apostasy that is called American Christianity would not even have been recognized as such by the apostles, by the early Antonicene church, or by the Puritans. Mm. And it's time for people to wake up, and we've got to lay the foundation again. It's time to uh, lay the foundation. And I taught on our Friday night teaching just a couple of weeks ago on laying the foundation. And that's what we got to do. We got to lay that foundation again. We can't try to build 
on a faulty foundation. The Bible says, if any man have not the doctrine of Christ, he's none of his. So, oh, but this person believes, doesn't believe pre-trib. Well, good for you. You got that. But if you don't have the doctrine of Christ, doesn't matter. Oh, this person's a flat earther. Well, that's, that's good. I'm glad for their little selves. But do they have the doctrine of Christ? That's when I'm going to get excited, because when you have the doctrine of Christ, the Holy Spirit then becomes your teacher, and he'll lead you into all truth. That's the most important thing in your life, Jimmy. We got to say it. We got to say it. We got to say it until people get it and understand that we're not playing horseshoes and hand grenades here. We can't get over and try to learn truth from someone that's a thief or a robber. We got to learn from the man that is true. Get the Holy Spirit as your teacher. Get some real godly counselors, and then we're going to be on our way. Amen. Now, let's just look a little bit at what God says about the proper way to handle finances. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 9. And it's right and proper. Uh, If you are a born-again child of God, you will want to give to support the work of the kingdom. But here again, (laughs) if you you think, uh, I know someone— uh, they, they give some money to Benny Hinn and they said, well, I know that there's some stuff ain't right there, but God knows my heart. And if I'm given that for the, to God, he'll honor that. No, he won't. You didn't give it to God. You give it to the devil. You say, and you gave people that give to these prosperity pimps. They give out of greed. They think, that it's like little Joe from Kokomo, you know, I'll give him 20, I'll get 200 back. You know, they're rolling. Uh, it's like God's a cosmic sugar daddy or a slot machine. They're just a bunch of thieves. It's what they are. So no, if you give your money to a thief and a liar, you've got your reward right there. Your vain expectation of some riches that you're going to get. That's just like Ananias and Sapphira, you know, Oh boy, here I am. I'm Mr. Big shot. Well, you're what you are dead. You know, and a lot of these people, uh, they don't know it, but uh, the angels of God, they're getting ready to carry their dead butts out uh, because it ain't long till God's going to start knocking them over like bowling pins. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse nine. Here's an interesting way that Paul used Torah. He took a scripture and a text from Deuteronomy and applied it to the ministers of the gospel having a right to receive benefit for their efforts. For it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out of the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Yeah, God will take care of an oxen. And these early ministers, they would travel uh, from home to home, and they were taken care of. They were given a place to stay while they ministered. Jesus said in Matthew 10, when you go out, enter into a home. And if the home's worthy, say, peace be unto your house. He didn't say go out, buy a piece of real estate, put a pole barn on it, call someone a pastor, incorporate into a 501c3 church. None of that's in there. But the biblical pattern is. So what do we do? Uh, if we're going to serve Jesus today, we, do, we don't do what he said to do, and we do everything he said not to. It's just nothing but apostasy and a total past apostasy from the foundation of Christ in, in each and every way. Now, he goes on to say in verse 11, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, 
is it a great thing that we shall reap of your carnal things? And there's a scripture, and I'm just going to turn to it. It's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, and verse 38. And this is another one of the scriptures that the prosperity pimps make a lot of hay out of to build people out of money. And in Luke, chapter 6, and verse 38, and of course, this scripture is beautiful, uh, just like all scriptures are. It says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure ye meet, withal it shall be measured unto you, to you again. And this word bosom, if you look that up in the Greek, it's the word kolpon. And what that was in the robe, they had like a kangaroo pouch that they would fold up and you could put stuff in it. And what he's saying here, you know, when you go out preaching the gospel, when you go out, your little coal pond's going to be filled up. It'll have bottled water, Hershey bars, snacks, goodies, peanut butter sandwiches, whatever you need. You're going to have your little coal pond is going to be running over. But he ain't talking about beachfront property and million-dollar right. mansions. He's taking about talking about God's people taking care of the people that preach the gospel. And it's right, and it's good. And people that sow spiritual things— Every born-again child of God is going to want to use their whole life, including their finances, to build the kingdom. They're going to be all in, and that's right. But what is wrong is these people that—and oh my— they'll throw out the Old Testament, but they'll misinterpret the text in Malachi to— apply something that does not even apply because the Levitical covenant is no longer there. The biggest thieves in the land are the people in this religious system. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and let's read verse—I read verse 11, so I want to read verse 14. Even so hath the Lord ordained— that they which preach the gospel should live the gospel. Nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that at all. In verse 16, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. And so many people, oh, look at me, I'm a preacher. Oh, look at me. And they dress up all fancy and uh, and all this. And I have to admit, sometimes I am kind of flashy, you know, but uh, it says, for I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Jimmy, I couldn't stop this. If nobody was listening to us, I'd be here preaching to Donna. I'd be preaching to the, the rabbits out in the yard. We can't stop. You know, if the if the if you're called to preach the gospel, ain't no one going to stop you. You're not going to wait for a paycheck or some kind of papers from general headquarters. In verse 17, he said, for if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. In other words, if you willingly preach the gospel free of charge, you'll have a reward someday in heaven. If not, you've got your reward now, like Christ told the Pharisees. In verse 18, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. 
Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. Paul said, this is my reward that I can preach the gospel without charge because that's what Jesus said to do. What can you say, man? We've got so far away from what Jesus said and Paul said and all of the Bible said that this is just the darkest pit of apostasy. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'd love to. I'd love to hear uh, uh, Copeland and and uh, some of these other guys. I'd love to, to see them preach on that scripture right there. I don't imagine you're going to hear it, Jimmy. <laughs> and you see, if you if start they do, with, they probably twist it somehow. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they'd uh, put the, the scripture twister on that baby, wouldn't they? And you know, if you start with what Christ said, this is what we say over and over. You'll see the same thing in Paul. You'll see consistency throughout all the word of God. That's our message. It's a simple one. Come back to Jesus. Come back to the word of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm sure there's some preachers out there. That it's not your heart to want to have anything that doesn't rightfully belong to you. And you've just believed tithing because that's what you've been taught. That's what your religious system teaches you. Mm -hmm. And the Father will forgive you. But it's time for you to repent, come out of Babylon, and start following the word of God. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap, also sparingly and he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully every man according as he purposeth in his heart now that first sentence in verse 7 that tells us what the obligation in money for every believer is every man as he purposeth in his heart it is between you and the Father for the Holy Spirit to tell you what, how much, and who to give your money to. So let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity. Now, that word necessity, that word means that you're coerced into it. You know, oh, Brother Jimmy, if if I don't have 10 people give me $1,000, well, I'm just going to starve. God's gospel ain't going to get preached all over the world. Uh, if you love God, you're going to help me because I'm God's man of faith and power. Oh, we're just having such a hard time. They're always broke, you know, always pleading poverty. Oh, dogs and cats are going to starve. They use guilt to manipulate you. That's what it's talking about. Anytime anyone tries to coerce you into giving money, that's not of God. They're a thief. They're a liar. God will show you in your heart how much to give, and where to give it. Um, every ministry should be good with saying, I don't want one dime outside of what the Holy Spirit speaks to people's hearts to give. Mm -hmm. And how many do we have that'll stand there? I'm afraid we don't have many standing, do we, Jimmy? 
Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace, 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 not law, 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 but grace, grace, grace abound toward you. This is what I call grace giving. We give as 100% led by the Holy Spirit as he speaks to our heart. Anytime you hear coercion or anything, you shut it out because you know it's not of God. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in how we use all of our material possessions of what to do with them. As God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always have sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. We will be able, if we are obedient to God, we will have the sufficiency to use our material possessions in whatever need the Father places before our eyes. Absolutely will. One more thing. We're going to learn a new word. We let a, <laughs> we learned a new word last week, didn't we? Uh, I'm not even going to re- repeat it. You'll just have to watch last week. or the, well, They'll probably be coming out to today because, well, we're always a week late on our taping. But our new word for this week is simony. Simony. And I'm going to read from Will Halmus Brockell. And I'm afraid we got us a whole bunch of simony going on. He says, and I'll read the text that this is based on in the book of Acts, chapter 8. And we're going to begin in about verse 18. And this is the story of Simon the sorcerer, Acts chapter 8, verse 18. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Oh, boy. Now, this is what Brother Brockell, one of our Dutch Puritan friends, had to say. He said, The sin is committed if one either receives or gives money to award a ministerial position to someone or to receive it from those who claim to have the authority to either approve or disapprove. Now, most ministry today, ministry so-called, does not operate under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's not about seeing people born again, set free, filled with the spirit, their bodies healed. It's about politics. And if you're in the world I'm in, the way you build a successful ministry is see how many shows you can get on. Now, it doesn't matter uh, if they say Jesus came from the planet Pluto. You get on there and you act like your best friends and you pat each other on the back and see how many books you can sell, see how much money you can raise. You just whore out. And I guarantee you from firsthand experience, that's how it operates. And there's so little integrity. You know, the thing is, the gospel's not enough. 
people don't love the Bible for the Bible. They don't love the God's law and the Ten Commandments. And uh, they love this show that's become known as American religion. But um, what can we say, Jimmy? It's time to turn back to the real Jesus and to the real Word of God and let the Holy Spirit lead us in all things and lay that foundation again. I wonder if there's any s- symbology in uh, Jesus dying between two thieves. Whoa. <laughs> that's a great... That's a great... Yeah, you know there is. There's nothing... Uh, he wasn't crucified between a murderer and a whatever. It was two thieves he was murdered or he was uh, hung between. I love that. I love that. And I tell you what, he's still being crucified between two thieves, isn't he? Yeah. With all of my heart.